Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this episode is another episode of the Clone Wars Report. (laughs) 
Listen to those intrepid reporters typing up the news. That is exactly the kind of thing that would happen on the Clone Wars, Clone Wars animated show as some sort of a space typewriters, right? Right, yeah, Space Woodward and Space Bernstein. We need them now more than ever. <laughs> that is right. They are exposing the truth behind the scenes. Uh, some strange meeting in a space parking garage in the lower levels of Coruscant. Uh, I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is, of course... Uh, Ken Napsack, happy to be with all of you reviewing The Clone Wars. That's right. If you're just tuning in uh, for the first time, uh, for some wonderful reason, we are going through the Clone Wars animated series and discussing each episode or arc of episodes if they are connected, like the episodes we're doing today. We're going through in chronological order, in the order that this all historically happened in that galaxy far, far away. The episodes we're discussing this episode are Downfall of a Droid, which is Season 1, Episode 6, and Duel of the Droids, which is Season 1, Episode 7. Let's dig in, as we always do, with a little bit of a summary. This is a episode, uh, two episodes, that really deal with uh, Anakin's connection to R2-D2 and his uh, burgeoning mentorship of Ahsoka Tano. R2 is lost in battle and is replaced by a sneaky, sneaky spy droid. (laughs) And Anakin goes through various uh, levels of uh, emotional upset and rule breaking and rule following in his desperate attempt to reconnect with R2, which spoiler does indeed happen. That's my summary. Maybe not my best summary ever, but there you go. Uh, Want to dive into the morals of the episode, Ken? Well, first of all, I want you to give yourself credit for a good summary. <laughs> uh, even as I'm listening, I, I have my notes. I, I watched both episodes twice, uh, minutes before we recorded. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. So that's a good summary. Sir. <laughs> okay, good summary. Good summary. Uh, we're going to move on to the morals. I always love the morals at the beginning of the Clone Wars episodes because, like I said, I believe our last episode, sometimes I'm like, damn, that is uh, like punch in the gut meaningful. And other times I'm like, hmm, not sure. Want to wrestle with that. Uh, So the morals of these two episodes, the first one, Downfall of a Droid, is trust in your friends and they'll have reason to trust in you. And the one for Duel of the Droids is you hold on to friends by keeping your heart a little softer than your head. (laughs) Uh, uh, What's your gut reaction to uh, both of these morals, Ken? Um, I... I really did love them, but we'll talk about my overreactions, overall reaction to the episode and some trepidations I had going into it, uh, which is fun to discuss for me. But these morals, I really like both of them because that second one, you hold on your friends, be keeping your heart a little softer than your head. It just, it seems like nothing I've ever read in Star Wars before in terms of morals or opening crawls even, <laughs> but it's totally perfect if that makes sense. It just seems like something your grandma would say. Yeah, it is a real like nice grandma thing. I don't know for this is, you know, totally dating me but i just I, was that a traveling wilbury song exactly it's just so like late period bob dylan george harrison put down some jeff lynn uh, rhythm guitar there you hold on to your friends keeping your heart a little softer than your head yeah that's that that was off uh, traveling wilbury's volume four that never volume four it's a real deep cut yeah i think there's something about just the phrasing of it does not sound uh super stereotypically star wars but the actual mm-hmm theme of it is that idea that yeah you can't get too uh rigid and be just uh so so leading with uh rules and thoughts and uh specificity 
Uh, but you have to be open to eh, letting your friends be a little bit imperfect or leaning more uh, towards emotions and intuition than tactics. All that stuff, all these great Star Wars ideas uh, are in that. But the, the phrasing of it is super strange. How did you feel about trusting your friends and they'll have reason to trust in you? I mean, I really do love it. It's it's one of those ones when you start looking at your 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 regular life, your real life, your non-Star Wars life and go, yeah, that really works. But there are those times where you give them their trust and they destroy it. Oh boy, what are we, what are we doing with that? You know, but, but that's um, the, the morals don't account for every little minute detail of our lives and they serve as a good guide. And this one really worked. And I, and I thought there were some interesting things in this episode uh, that go back to these morals and sometimes communicate directly with them and sometimes challenge them or make you think of, of how they apply. And so that's why these episodes end up being really, really a good rewatch. Yeah, yeah. I think what I am fascinated with, particularly early on in the Clone Wars, uh, with Anakin in particular, is there's a, a lot of struggle back and forth b about Anakin's choices. And, you know, the, all these Clone Wars episodes being sort of overshadowed, if you've, you know, already watched the uh, prequel trilogy, that we know some of his critical flaws uh, mm. that are going to cause his fall we know you know the original trilogy how some of those flaws get commented on and these early episodes in particular i feel like really wrestle with well there's some good and there's some bad to the things that anakin is doing and i feel like these morals really really uh attach to that because obviously trust uh, you have to give trust to receive trust is a great uh moral uh don't always be overly rigid and analytical sometimes you need to be close to your friends by being warm and open and emotional those are all like great ideas but then within these episodes there are moments where oh yeah no trust and friendship didn't work out at all <laughs> uh yeah this is yeah this is, yeah, yeah. Uh, i thought i thought a lot about that trust your friends love reason and trusted you yeah, yeah i thought a lot about that this morning over a cup of coffee yeah and it almost seems like maybe the moral is also saying uh trusting your friends and then if they don't trust you back at all maybe they're a spy <laughs> yes I thought about that too. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's get. Uh, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. I about that. Well, yeah, you know, I thought Anakin was being a bit of a bit of an a a hole early on, and maybe he was, but uh, there's some truth to it. Yeah, weird, weird stuff, good stuff, weird and good stuff. So let's talk about overall reaction. Did you love it? Like it? Struggle with it? What's your relationship with uh, this two episode arc? Uh, that's a good way to phrase that question. What's my relationship with it? I, for the first time in our rewatch so far, had a quote gear up to watch it. Like, um. Mm a droid droid episode and that's me that is that is cat i am oddly just never too into droid episodes uh, and i've talked about how i don't even though i love i i love bb8 i've grown to appreciate and love chopper but 3po obviously and i think rise of skywalker is some of the best 3po stuff i can list all the things i love about droids in star wars i don't collect a lot of them i see them released oh yeah cool a probot uh, you know which i guess i'm more aligned uh, with obi-wan on droids than i would care to admit and i don't think that's necessarily right so i approach it joseph <laughs> like all right let me get through like a droid episode uh, and and clearly it's much more with that and i also discovered with the pressure off of the episode so to speak and clone wars i didn't watch in a weekly must go review on a youtube show or, you know, podcast until season seven for us with, mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, four center I, with no pressure on it to just sit back and watch an episode with a, you know, a veggie burger I made for myself and some delicious home fry potatoes I made for myself. You know, I'm learning things, Joseph. And just <laughs> sit there, watch this. It just, I, I, I had a lot of just joy came over me. 
uh, about, oh yeah, yeah. Again, I really love this stuff. And, and to put that wall up because you think, uh, you think the episode is some, something, or you think you don't connect to something. Um, and, you know, I still don't think I'd connect directly to droids, but to, to hear their stories and watch their stories and recognize their contributions to this story that I love engaging with, you know, it ended up being rewarding again for me. Oh, that's great. So you feel like you got more out of it by just sort of sitting back uh, with your home-cooked meal and just being a fan and, and watching it as Star Wars. So you watched it with your heart, not your head. <laughs> Aha, yes. And I think it, it forced center as, as deep and analytical as we are and can get. I think it always comes from our heart and our heart leads the way. And, and, and that's been, again, part of the fun of this rewatch. But again, these are, I can't stress enough how much I just see you know, magic droid day out that, that Mieber Gascon one, it, it, that's why it's a challenge. And I'm, I'm waiting to get back to that. <laughs> I want to see what my thoughts are now. Uh, it was, it's just a thing for me, but I, uh, step one complete. I enjoyed these. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if the droid challenge is not so much the droids themselves, but it's that we like other parts of star Wars so much. We want the, uh, you know, the lightsabers and the bounty hunters. So it's more like, I, I don't uh, dislike grapes in particular, but I would rather eat all the other things on my plate first. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think for myself, uh, these episodes, I, you know, I, I like them. I, I don't think they're my absolute favorite of Clone Wars uh, by any means. Many uh, episodes, I, I will call several, several arcs my very favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. I will be very inconsistent about what my favorite is because it's a long list. But these, I, I really like them. I like that it is this kind of, you can watch it on the surface and just go like, oh, this is a big adventure. We got some lightsaber fights. We got a lot of, you know, uh, space battles. We got a lot going on. We got droid fights. We got it all. Um, but it's this big blow up adventure, which when you really break down the actual plot is an espionage plot. It's all about who knows what, when, and who has the information that the other person doesn't have. Um and I also like it that it is really both advancing uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. It is definitely playing with all these ideas of what are we going to say about uh, Anakin's recklessness, about his uh, attachment, about his great love and friendship. How are we going to wrestle with all that in this Clone Wars animated series? It's definitely doing that. But it's also you watch it in order. These are like these episodes are a big step forward for uh, how Ahsoka is going to function, how reckless is she going to be uh you know how what are what are what is her skill level at and how does she handle it like the knowledge that she needs to stand up to grievous but the knowledge of like i'm not there yet i'm a relatively young padawan i can't take it to grievous i'm not going to defeat him so there's a lot going on with ahsoka and then the other big overall emotional reaction that i had sitting down to rewatch is the loss of r2 in the replacement with r3 is truly upsetting to me like Mm-hmm. how much r3 is just we know r2 is this like just absolutely full of personality full of talent uh droid and then he gets replaced by this vaguely similar droid who's just crap and then we learn is a traitor and he, like it it's not in like upsetting to me in this like sad way of like anakin lost his droid the way you you know be sad to watch a show where a kid loses their puppy it has that yeah. level of sadness, but it also has that existential dread. Like, mm. you know, if I uh, turned on my computer to do an episode of Force Center with you and somebody said, well, Ken isn't here today, but we have another guy named Ken. <laughs> He's around the same age uh, and he likes Star Wars, too. <laughs> like there's this kind of like, but that's not what makes it special. That those <laughs> surface level similarities are not what makes the thing the thing. 
gets to this like deep existential creep level for me. Yeah, no. And uh, this whole episode really drives on the, the fact that R2 just might th- be the most important character in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> you know, our friend Mark Ellis calls him the hero of heroes. And, and I do want to talk later on about R2 being the droid who knew too much, something I've talked about and, and written about before. But the look, the look on Anakin's face. Yeah, I feel I'm feeling it. It is. It's. I don't want to say lost puppy because uh, R two to me, you know, is 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 more of a human character than than a puppy. Though I love my dogs, as you all know. Uh, but yeah, it 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 is it is sad. It it, it it is it's dreadful to watch Anakin go through that. Yeah, like we could just get another, right? I mean, it'll be fine. I mean, yeah, R two was good at a couple things. Like, yeah, it it's that part of it is really uh really upsetting. And then of course the whole you know, spy thing and the constant almost death, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the great reminder of how important the astromechs are, uh, you know, and it's, it's like a, if you had a coffee maker on the fritz <laughs> that, uh, yeah. but it's life or death, you know, truly, yeah, truly terrifying. Uh, let me talk to you about some of that Obi-Wan stuff. Oh yeah, I know. It, I struggle with it, uh, in a good way, you know, in, uh, in a way we're meant to, meant to struggle with. <laughs> Uh, but let's get into some of the like big themes. What ideas are at stake for you in this two episode arc? So I'll, I'll go this direction. Uh, the big one, one we talk about often because it's Anakin and it's, it's just plainly said, but uh, the, the, the balance of attachment versus letting go is, is a big theme. And then we know to me what, what's at, at stake and we just, attachment is not acceptable for a Jedi. There's Obi-Wan again. And, and I don't, I don't think he's wrong. But what is that balance? And you got, you got little Ahsoka, uh, as as Plo Koon would say, little Ahsoka sitting there, just kind of learning all this, and to know where that, where she goes, and where she find how she finds that balance is, it's interesting for me to, to to watch her kind of learn or even just experience all this at the at the foot of Anakin, and and how. Anakin not wiping R2's memory is a fun little canon attachment, too. We can talk about that. Uh, it's just from, hey, from now, a strategic point, like we need the droid, but just what it says about Anakin's attachments. He he, he so values these attachments, right and wrong, that he, he goes against protocol because he wants his little buddy around. And that's, on the surface, something really good. Deeper, it might be, clearly, we know it leads to more problems, but now it's led to these problems for the Republic, so... To me, there's some of the big stuff there. Uh, we and then uh, we'll dive into it, but the two edge, uh, the two edge sword of trust, and uh, R two, and then the R three S six of it all. Is it S seven or S six? R three S six, also known as Goldie and Stubby. <laughs> Goldie and Stubby. So, um, and then I want to, you know, um, talking in the second episode, I'm just putting it all on the table here. Yeah. I'm, Putting my Uno cards down, we can shuffle in a bit here. Uh, I want to draw fours. Uh, but how how the, uh, the the second episode, actually all of it, all of it with Anakin going off to to save his his friend essentially, and how this aligns challenges and maybe even emboldens Luke running off to save his friends in Empire. It's. Mm. Speaks to that moment to me in in all kinds of ways. Um, you know, and I, I'd love to dive into them. Oh yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh, no, I think we're we're very much in alignment with our our Uno cards. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other big idea for me was just the this sort of respect for the power of knowledge. Um, it, it's one of the reasons that I really uh, focused on. Yeah, there's a lot of big blow up, and there's a lot of action and the emotional stories about Anakin's attachment and Ahsoka's growth and R2's value, but everything mechanically in the plot hinges around 
how much knowledge is valuable. There's the need to destroy that spy listening station that Grievous already knows what the Republic is going to do because they have this, uh, you know, great uh, battle sphere that is actually a spy listening station. Um, the reason that the Jedi and the Republic are fine with uh, Anakin risking everything for R2 is because he has all this knowledge. Uh, he gets torn apart for what he knows, which is just like, you know, crunchy tactical stuff. Um, the fact that R3 isn't just a, <laughs> a crappy R2, but an actual spy that Grievous somehow managed to, to get into uh, the center of the Republic's operation. There, There's so much where everything turns on knowledge, and not even just like deep esoteric wisdom, but just literally, what are your battle plans? What are your, the formations of your ship? You know, uh, where, where do you redock and where do you fuel? All these things that are just basic information. The reason that's powerful to me, and I wanted to highlight it, is um, I think that uh, many of us as fans can really get into the the ship blowing up and the yeah. lightsaber slashes. And then those conversations quickly just become about power, about who is the most powerful. And this is an episode where it kind of doesn't matter, you know, who is more powerful between Grievous and Anakin or who has a bigger gun or, or who, who could beat each other, you know? It's mm -hmm. all about who has knowledge because knowledge is just as powerful as, you know, the ability to, you know, literally wield the force or be better with a blaster or any of those things that we talk about more, these episodes really remind us that that stuff matters, but even more, it matters just taking the time and the intelligence to to know what you know and know what your opponent knows. Mm, yeah, real chessboard kind of move here, uh, just to, just not just to keep it on the surface of knowledge and war, but yeah. Uh, uh, of of these characters scrambling for uh, for that territory called knowledge. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that because it's definitely you know you talk about it being a spy thriller. Uh, there's all that kind of going on, and that's kind of usually what spy th thrillers are about, right? <laughs> Who knows yeah. what? Yeah, like that is the most valuable thing. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. and and uh, I, not to take away from any of the flashy action stuff, and it mm -hmm. it does matter. But I do like that. In this more sort of uh, Clone Wars that has this base of really trying to talk about a war and the strategy of it and, and bring that a little bit of that realism within this, you know, space wizards uh, blowing each other up in space. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that realism that, you know, it the only thing the only thing that really matters is who gets the drop on who because of knowledge. You know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well said indeed. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about the action sequences. There, there were some really Great ones here, absolutely great ones there. But but uh, all those mean uh, nothing if if you don't have the the deeper stuff behind it, as we know here in Force Center. That's kind of why we dive in. But yeah, it, it, that kind of stuff kept coming into play in this episode. Yeah. Well, so uh, so let's go back to some. I wanted to share that Uno card. Let's go back to some of your your <laughs> Uno cards. Which, by the way, I love this metaphor. Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, Anakin and attachment because I think that's one of the yeah. big uh, first thing you mentioned and one of the most powerful yeah. things. Uh, for me, I felt like what these episodes were wrestling with is the the nature of not just attachment in general, because I feel mm -hmm. like we, we know that story from the prequels that Anakin's attachment eventually becomes a selfish kind of attachment where he can't bear the thought of losing Padme and that yeah. that fear of what will it do to me if I lose her, I can't live without her is what makes him make bad choices. And then I think to your point, Luke is dancing on the edge of that when he goes to Dagobah of just, 
well, they're my friends. I can't, I can't let them die uh, because what will it do to me? But then by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, there's so much celebration of the pure part of attachment where you are selflessly saying, I'm willing to risk my life because I want my friend to live because it is good for them to live, not because I'm afraid of what will happen to me. You get, you know, everybody going to rescue Han and, and Han being blown away by that because he hasn't really been felt that before. And you get uh, Luke relying on his uh, his uh, compassion uh, in his belief in his father uh, to make better choices and to reach out to his father and on and on. So I feel like the story of Star Wars has its relationship with here's the dangers of attachment when it's selfish. Here are the great parts of attachment when it's a little when it's selfless and kind. And I feel like these episodes are really asking us to almost go beat by beat and go, well, when were beats where Anakin was being like, no, hey, Obi-Wan, you're wrong. Droids have personalities. They right. are, they're sentient beings and they deserve our respect. And I wouldn't let, I wouldn't just go, oh, Obi-Wan, you died, so I'll get another Jedi friend. Yeah. Uh, it, it asks you to make that argument. But then there's also moments where Anakin is losing people uh, because he's being reckless or obsessive or he's putting, I think, other people in danger because he's focusing only on, I can't lose R2. Yeah. So uh, th- thanks for uh, enduring my my ramble about attachment there. But wh- where do you see, what do you think mm-hmm. these episodes are saying about when Anakin is being, uh, is practicing a sort of beautiful, selfless attachment mm-hmm. of friendship and when he's practicing a selfish attachment of fear of loss. Well, first of all, you dropped a Uno card reverse on me a little while back. You were reversing <laughs> back to my, um, my 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 themes. So I'm going to go. I'm going to answer your question by actually going to the Empire and Return of the Jedi moments and connecting it. Just to you know, you laid it out well, and 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 these. This is one of the things where I'm like, I love that you said go beat by beat because I I don't. I don't know the clear answer sometimes, and I love not. I love uh, the ellipses on the end of this thought here. I go to Luke on Dagobah at Empire Strikes Back. I, I, he's he's running off for fear, right? He's got a vision that may or may not be true. Yoda kind of says that always in motion. The future is right, he doesn't and then, so it's it's out of fear. It's out of fear, and it, it could be argued that yeah, why he did maybe uh, help them escape or save them. I don't know. Things didn't end well at Empire. <laughs> It did not go the way he thought it was going to go. And that came out of a different motivation where in Return of the Jedi, uh, him sitting down with Leia, there's no fear in that conversation with me. It's, it's him, um, destiny taking him to this point. He's choosing to go this direction. It's it's coming out of, like you say, compassion. And and so there's the two examples of it that it's easy to confuse the two and, and to, you know, take take different meanings from them, I, I guess, as, as, as a fan, just, just watching and trying to learn and knowing that again, going to what we're talking about, the, the opening theme, this, this trust and all this and friends and all this, it, it's, it can't necessarily directly be applied to every moment. You kind of have to, not, like you said, not be rigid and go with your heart and see where your heart goes. So anyways, I start there with Luke because that's just simply for me, fear, compassion, confidence, strength, the two different ways. And Anakin has that. And I think the droid thing, I think R2, uh, take the strategy thing aside too. There's some urgency in needing to get R2 because of the plans. I wouldn't describe it as fear, but there is kind of Anakin going, uh, yeah, I may have, uh, you know, not deleted anything <laughs> off his hard There's drive. Legitimate practical concern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't call that one fear, but yeah, along the way, I mean, there, there's, it drives, there's a panic behind some of Anakin's moments. And that's where I look where it, it's, it's the roadmap for what comes 
before, going to the Padme thing, the dreams, the visions. What came first, the chicken or the egg, the dreams or the reality with Anakin? Uh, we, we, you know, that's that's the big question. Uh, I still think he he drove some of the stuff forward, and 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 in the end, right or wrong, if we agree with uh, agree in terms of just a plot point or seeing it on screen, what he did, you know, what he did, what Padme's ending comes from Anakin, not from what was going to happen. It comes from him. So, yeah, going back to this episode, I'm I'm, I'm really far off the path here. I know, but just no, uh, not at all. Going back at each moment, you can see where strength, uh, compassion, a real drive to do the right thing versus, oh, dear God, I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of what you're saying is great. I think also for the Empire moment, it's always uh, important to remember that, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan just straight up tell Luke of like, your friends are being made to suffer because the Emperor Invader want your power. Like, they're doing this to your friends so that you will come. So like you're giving them exactly what they want, you know? Um, yeah. I think which plays into, you know, why it, it, it does feel like in error, you know, mm-hmm. in that respect when he, when he goes after them or, you know, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Anyway, I, I, yeah. I think uh, for, for this episode, what I really liked is I feel like there is these layers of moral arguments and I will agree with the, uh, sadly disagree with my my beloved Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think it's a great character trait that he's just like, droids are like, they're they're not fully sentient like the, like us. They're, you know, he's got that line of attack of clones. Like, if they could think, we'd all be dead. Um, <laughs> it, he seems like, like him perfectly fine and want to be nice to him, but it's like he's got a little bit of a dividing line. And I feel like there's this moral clarity where Obi-Wan is like, or, or Anakin rather, is like, no, I, I grew up kind of around machinery i like putting things together i like i see the humanity in underdogs i see the humanity in the clones i see the humanity in the droids really clearly and it's really admirable and and i think sort of morally correct that r2 is just as valuable just as sentient as you know plocoon uh or or anybody else uh in the galaxy but then the way anakin proceeds with that i keep I feel like he is trying to tell himself that is why he's doing things because of this great moral clarity. But I see him causing bad things by obsessiveness, recklessness, and justifying all of his choices because he can't lose R2. And, um, like, and I feel like he's, at the beginning, he goes after uh, Grievous. He's determined to catch him. The piece of machinery hits the ship and he's just like, R2, can you fix that? And like, he could have stopped. He could have let go of that obsessiveness, but like the, you know, he says, I got a bad feeling about this when <laughs> there's something clearly wrong. So good, good job having a bad feeling about the ship about to explode. Um, and then so I feel like he's a little culpable in the loss of R2. It's not totally random. It's because he's being obsessive and reckless in his wanting to end Grievous. Um, and then I feel like they, when he says, well, you know, I, I haven't wiped them. Uh, you know, he, I think that we can extrapolate to, well, why not? Well, you know, he, there's this, R2 is this bridge between himself and Padme. Uh, he just recently lost his mother and he's still coping with that. He doesn't want to lose, you know, this friend, you know, Ahsoka kind of props up that decision with like, well, actually it's really valuable that he, he has, you know, knows so much and has developed so much, which I think is again, a good argument, but it's not coming from Anakin. It's coming right. from Ahsoka. And then, you know, he clings to this like, well, there's the danger of his his sharing the data, so I have to go after him. Um, 
and then even even as he's going to that separatist battle sphere to uh rescue R2 uh you know, R2 does the heroic thing of R2 manages to escape and send out a beacon so they can find it. And Anakin, you know, I'm paraphrasing, says something along the lines of like, well, you know, R2, R2, let us here. So, you know, we, we, I gotta go in there and, uh, and get him, uh, because he did such a good job. And like, mm-hmm. he's saying these things that are, but it feels like in the way he says them of like, R2, R2 did something heroic and it gave me more validation to do what I've wanted to do from the beginning is, at the cost of anything and everything, I'm going to rescue my friend because I can't live without him. Mm. I want to go back to the very beginning of this story outline, um, how I think it's important to highlight that where does the attachment lesson begin for Anakin? It is, a, as you described, the pursuit of Grievous, right? Yeah. Uh, there are those moments. I think that can easily be overlooked when you're digging it, even if you're digging in uh, a comment on not just what it means for Anakin, uh, but us as well, uh, because it's very the the pursuit of Grievous is is probably a good thing. You know, oh yeah, good place. But there is there is that specific kind of turn back moment, and here it is an, another lesson for Anakin that ends up I don't know being okay, right? So you're not going to learn the lesson as uh, maybe you should if you end up with your little droid pal and everything's a okay. Lost some clones along the way. We're all right. Um, <laughs> But it's interesting, interesting to me that that's actually real, where the attachment lesson really does start. Yeah. But I think if you just sort of like also just break down what happens, uh, there's this overall moral that like, yes, friendship and trust is good. Uh, but a lot of that friendship and trust that leads to good things are the actions of Artu, uh, of Ahsoka, of the clones. When Anakin gets onto that battle sphere, he obsessively goes after Artu. Uh, he... Uh, in it, I think one could make an argument. He leaves his very young Padawan in an incredibly dangerous situation that she manages to get herself out of. Which I definitely want to talk about the Ahsoka side of it uh, in, in the second half uh, of the of the of our podcast episode here. But he, it, you could read it as he puts Ahsoka in some danger, which is that trust or is that his obsession to get R two? And when he finally gets to the place where he's going to be able to get. Are two back. He literally says uh, the line, "You have something that belongs to me," which could just be read as a, you know, hey, it's a good Jedi tough guy long line. But that it belongs to me speaks towards that I can't lose it. Mm. Not it's not, you know, you put my friend in danger. <laughs> it's right. not, you know, uh, I, I need to be here for my friend. It's you took something from me and I'm taking it back, which speaks to that fear of loss. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask the Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I guess maybe what, uh, in, in all our Uno shuffling, I think what I'm coming down to in this episode, which I really like cause it's complex is I feel like the morals of trust, uh, you know, give trust, you will receive trust. Uh, that friendship is important. You can't always lead with, military tactics and rigid thinking sometimes you have to lead with your heart i feel like all those morals are correct and the overall situation benefits from all of those uh things being true while anakin himself is saying these things but still moving in an obsessive fearful way throughout all the all his actions yeah slippery a slippery slope that uh you, you know the, the water's boiling and he ain't he ain't feeling it 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anakin's a lobster, everybody. Anakin's a lobster. That's what we came to. Uh, wouldn't that be a weird moral? Uh, what other Uno cards do we still have on the deck for your themes? Because you had a lot of great ones. Um, I the two edged sword of of, of trust. Uh, Anakin and R and R two having mutual appreciation and trust there. But uh, I'm I'm a little fascinated by R three showing up and Anakin kind of just being a jerk about it. <laughs> um, Ahsoka being just warm and open hearted about it, giving him the name Goalie. Uh, you know, and then where it ends up. I don't. I wouldn't want that to be misinterpreted as uh, Anakin was right and Ahsoka was wrong. I think nine times out of ten, it's going to be the other way around. I, I so I don't, again one of those don't have the answers, but I just love what that presented to me too at the end of it. Because I'll tell you what, I had forgotten having not seen this episode for years. I forgot R three was a spy, so I was pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, that's right, <laughs> that's right. I had some questions later on. I want to know why and how and all the stuff, kind of the surface stuff of, of how a droid infiltrated the Republic. Uh, it's interesting stuff there. I'm looking at you, Sheev, too. But yeah. uh, the, but just you know what I mean. Like, I, 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 it's a lesson for Ahsoka, and one that I think down the line, I think maybe walls might go up, but she's always going to go towards the warm-hearted side of things. Uh, which is part of the second episode's theme here. So anyway, anyways, that that's where my mind went next. Yeah, no, I really love that because I, I love what it says about Ahsoka, particularly early on, that she is naturally uh, thoughtful and, and kind and wants to trust uh, people and droids and even really manages to sort of thread this needle between the arguments of Obi-Wan and Anakin and... Yeah. Get get past their sort of binary back and forth that they're used to, and see it from kind of both sides in a in a somewhat healthy way, uh, or, or pick out the emphasis that's important of like, yeah, but actually, you know, good or bad, R two is really extra valuable because he does know all this stuff and he has grown and, and evolved so much, and that's really helpful on some missions uh, like yeah. that. But then with the trust thing, it's a, it's so pure and so great that she wants to be like, well, R two was great, but maybe R three will be too. But it feels like a lesson in. You know, when a droid tells you who they are 17 times, you oh. got to believe them a little bit. Like, it seems like it's a growth thing for her of like that yep. instinct to be warm and kind and trusting is good. But it you shouldn't trust that to the point where you are you put yourself in danger, which she literally does. Like it gets to that point where like, OK, R3 isn't just incompetent. R3 is making all the correct choices to get us killed at every step and he keeps doing it and she keeps going like well maybe next time he'll get it yeah i think it's 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 it's, it's she's young and naive but uh in in a in a good way if that makes sense of just she's uh she's a painting being created you know and and and, and she'll end up being just this this great piece of art uh, for the jedi to hang in a temple of this is what we all could be here uh if you follow that thread there but yeah i yeah, so I, 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 I'm charmed by that, uh, that valuable lesson that almost took her life. You know, charmed. Yeah. <laughs> Cyborg droid leader. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and just, yeah, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you for actually kind of adding that layer to it. Me of just like, you know, Ahsoka, you got it right. You got some lessons to learn, though. Yeah, yeah. Some hard knock uh, lessons about trust when that big glowing light comes on when R3... <laughs> <laughs> lights her up when she's trying to hide from Grievous is a great, great moment. What are you doing? <laughs> it's funny and it's also like really scary because Grievous is still, I think, you know, successfully yeah. scary and Ahsoka is, you know, uh, still so young at this point that it's like, it's scary. Uh, very effective. 
Uh, we already dipped into a little bit how the individual themes of this uh, two-episode arc uh, connects to a larger storytelling or morality or perspective in Star Wars, but did you have uh, other thoughts on how these episodes kind of talk to the larger picture of Star Wars? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it just... I think it's it, it it connects to a little bit of what they're all fighting for and how they fight for it and what they're connected to and 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 I always look at uh, the heart of the rebellion coming out of the ashes of the republic uh, and I see a lot of that there there there's constant fighting for saving saving what we love all that kind of connects to the bigger picture and just kind of the uh, the, the simple mean metallic separatist side of things I, I just love that's constantly at play here. Uh, Grievous treating his, uh, his droids bad makes me chuckle and giggle, um, but also an indication of, of, of what the, the heart of that movement is. Cause you could easily go, well, some of the separatists weren't, uh, weren't, uh, weren't bad, you know, or, you know, new gun right. Didn't want peace, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> to me, seeing that on display, seeing on display in the action in this episode, uh, connects to that bigger picture for me. Yeah, no, that, that's powerful. Um, yeah, another battle droid head loss to a grievous punch here in this early episode uh, from the Clone Wars. Uh, there's a lot because as it was about to happen, I was like, "He's going to do it, isn't it?" He he's gonna he's gonna punch his head off. Yep, so a lot of droids lost their heads. Very very sad in the Separatist <laughs> yep. Separatist uh, layers there with how many heads are lost. Um, another uh, sort of big idea is just just R two. This episode really, I feel like. Uh, because it's this very specific idea of like, oh, that's standard procedure to wipe your astromex memory, if not entirely, to wipe its sort of tactical memory from each battle so it can't be used exactly the way that R2 is is briefly used to steal that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ties to that whole I, endless fun conversations of well, R2's entire memory is never wiped. And when he's flying around with Luke, when... Uh, you know, and Leia, and he, he knows all this stuff that uh, that he doesn't share, or maybe he does, and nobody ever listens. And who knows? It's such a fun Star Wars fan conversation. The implications of R two always knowing everything, and then also just that uh, we get that Obi Wan perspective that we talked about of him going like, "Yeah, well, R two is great, but come on, he's just a droid." Uh, and then you connect that back to A New Hope, and. Yeah, obviously, New Hope was filmed when it was filmed before all this storytelling was built up. But now that it's there and you just read it as text and like, what is going on between Obi-Wan and R2 and A New Hope really connects to episodes like this or like, you know, have they always just been a little chilly to each other? <laughs> First of all, how dare you suggest that Lucas didn't have a, a plan for all of his movies and <laughs> well, shooting them at any point in time. I, that's, that's just ridiculous. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 to me, it's one of those great wrinkles that's absolutely just comes from George going, eh, this is the direction I'm going to take things. And I think this episode really, really, really ties back to that. I don't seem to ever recall owning a droid. And I still, <laughs> to me, in my mind, now with all new information, when I saw it in the 80s, it wasn't this because it wasn't this. But now that it is, it all connects. It, to me, R2, I just think R2 is like, you jerk, what are you talking about? <laughs> and some of those super cuts that are out there you can find on YouTube that are sometimes done, especially prior to Disney Star Wars, but they were done out of a snarkiness to, to just kind of make fun of it all. But those, those uh, I don't seem to ever call owning a droid and then just super cut all the memory. <laughs> you know, you could you could take that negatively. I take it as a fun positive thing, and just the subtext here, you know, like just R two's got to know that back during this era, 
Obi-Wan's just like, I don't care about droids. And it tracks with everything you and I, you, 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 you and I have talked often about the little moments in the prequel movies where it just doesn't seem Obi-Wan quite cares about the droids. You talked about the other one, I, I think is, I, I don't know, the P4 death uh, and the R4 deaths are just, uh, you know, Obi-Wan just doesn't feel it as deep as maybe I would, you know. Yeah. I watch the, the Naboo escape when, when we first meet R2 and those other droids get, get blasted into space and I get sad. Or, or, oh, yeah. Or, We're losing droids fast is one of the saddest <laughs> yeah. lines in Star Wars. Yeah. And you're like, like if, every, if every one of them is an R2 with that kind of spirit and personality, that makes me sad. So anyways, I think it connects on a fun level. This is actually a really fun connection. Then it just, just connects on a deeper level and doesn't necessarily make Obi-Wan a bad guy. It just uh, that's something that uh, doesn't doesn't jive with the droids. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, just uh, reading it just as the text, the way it reads now, and knowing that uh, Obi-Wan, you know, probably recognizes R2. Maybe there's a lot of astromech droids, but I that look exactly the same. But there's that, like, if R2 is saying, like, no, 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 uh, you take me to my master, Obi-Wan, and it's kind of a snarky thing for Obi-Wan to say back, of like, mm-hmm. I didn't own you. I've never owned you. I've never owned a droid, actually. R4B17 yeah. uh, was assigned to me. Right. <laughs> Right, that it's just this kind of snarky, like, hmm, that that uh, it's you again. It's always you. It's always gonna be you. <laughs> you are unstoppable. Uh, of course, it's you. I sit here for nineteen years waiting for you know the will of the force to tell me now is the time, and it's you. Of course, it's you. And you're already uh, you're already lying. You're already selling you know Anakin's kid, you know yeah. this bag of lies. All right, all right. Yeah. Mm. I love that scene. I, I just love, I think I've, I've talked often about just, you know, Sir Alleganus is such a good actor that he just, because he's got his own character's backstory in his mind, whatever it was at the time when they're shooting that. And, and some of it is, and, and probably comes from George and, you know, not the, fa- not the Anakin father stuff and everything, but just, he's such a good actor. He just leaves his eyes is, is, is recalling the histories. And I think you can do the job here uh, when you're writing stories later on in Star Wars time to connect to those, those beats in those moments. And I just, Time and time again, I think we go back to that scene. There's just so much in Alginus's eyes that are Obi-Wan's. And I got to imagine, just like you said, I'm fascinated with that, Joseph. Just, uh, you know, well, I, j- I recently killed Maul. I think something's going on. I'm sensing, I'm sensing things. Um, God, it's R2. Of course it's R2 with a message from Leia. Here we go. Here we go. Now is the time. Now is the time. Uh the other thing I wanted to mention is just a small thing, but it's a thing that I have um, really been uh, enjoying paying attention to uh, for Lucas. He speaks about it in some of the great behind the scenes stuff early in the Clone Wars animated series development. And when you look for it in the prequels, it really pops how much to him. Uh, we talk about fear a lot it is, you know, the, the path to uh, the dark side. But Lucas has such a strong perspective on greed that that mm-hmm. greed is ultimately the problem with the Sith. They all they always want more. It's why there can't be balance. Why it's why there can't just be like, hey, a hundred Sith, a hundred Jedi balance, because the mm-hmm. Sith will always try to take more. Uh, and I think the fact that he he really wants to make a commentary on greed that's why the entire prequel trilogy starts with this massive act of greed from the Trade Federation. Uh, mm-hmm. So I always like looking for like, how does this idea about greed play out and the character of Ganacht <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is intriguing. And I love that it's just, it, there's more of that, like uh, this era of Lucas storytelling being, hey, you, greed's really bad. You know what happens when you get uh, greedy? You die immediately because it's 
the moment where God knocked was like, turns out this droid is even more valuable, which means you should pay me more. <laughs> Grievous just kills him. And it's like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think uh, Lucas or, was, or Filoni were ever going to put that in as the moral of the episode uh, on, right. the, uh, on the beginning. But greed is death also does read as a moral to me. It's, it's, it's a theme as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Instant death from greed. Hmm. Uh, any other thoughts before we take our break? No, no. Looking forward to getting to some of these specific little details. Yeah, sounds great. We will be back in a moment to dive into details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Forcing on YouTube. Check it out. We are back here on the Clone Wars Report to dig into some of our favorite details from this two-episode arc. So, Ken, let's talk action. Did you have a favorite action moment? Well, yes, sir, I did. I had a few. Uh, I'm going to start with the opening sequence of the first episode. I we, we live in both worlds of Star Wars. We love deep. That look that Obi-Wan gives, that means this. That means... That I also love pew pew pew, and I know Joseph, you appreciation, uh, you appreciate a, a good pew as well. <laughs> Indeed, uh, and, I do. Yeah, and the, the opening sequence is just really good. It's full of great action and and a lot of, uh, you know, we 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 sometimes joke about Thrawn and his turn the cannons three degrees to the port side type of approach and 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 that kind of detail. In Star Wars. There's a lot of that in here that was at a, such a great fun pace that I was on board. Uh, just the opening sequence is, is a good old space fight. Yeah, yeah, no, and I love the actual cleverness of uh, of Anakin's uh, tactic of having the tanks out there uh, on the asteroids. Oh, yeah, which is very Robotech-ish. <laughs> so I like that, too. Yeah, yeah, it's just a really, it's, I like it when a uh, a character comes up with a clever plan and then you can actually see that plan executed well, and it's just a great, cool, as you say, pew-pew uh, visual as well. Yeah, love some pew. Love yeah. some pew to the pew to the pew when it was there. Yeah. What else you got for favorite action moments? Um, uh, episode two, the free fall dive. Really good. Like I love the, the Ahsoka one episode or season seven was really great, but I don't know. This one just had a fun vibe too. And it's uh, underrated. Like you, you kind of don't remember this in terms of a cool, let's all jump out of a ship and head down to where we got to go type of thing. Like I, I, this one doesn't come up a lot in conversation. And so I wanted to highlight that as well. Yeah, no, that yeah, it's a great visual in a head that has that great like. Okay, so she's just gonna use the force to land, right? And then uh, are the clones gonna splatter or rockets or what? <laughs> and it's fun to see those differences. Uh, and then the final one for me, I'm sure you you touch touch upon this kind of being a spy movie, but the 1960s spy movie music meets a rave score during art used to tape uh, escape escape attempts and some of the other stuff, and then just the music overall. Uh, going back to that Mandalorian Disney gallery episode where like, they're talking about the music and Filoni, there's, there, there's kind of a moment where I look back now, I think maybe even understand a little bit more where he's just kind of like, well, 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 you know, uh, George always said, you know, you could do a lot of experimental star Wars music. It's not all 
just the big sweep at Williams score stuff. Even John himself, again, I'm paraphrasing Dave, but there was like this real kind of like this urgency and a little bit of it, what he was saying. And now I listened to this episode. I was like, oh, there's some Mando-like moments in the music here. Not saying Lars took Kevin Connor's work and copied or anything like that, but I'm just saying like, it connects for me. It's, 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 I didn't remember it being this stylized. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about that moment a lot. And I, I think that Filoni believes that, that that's a, a, one of the elements of Star Wars where you can explore a little bit, but it also has a little bit of like, I wonder how much uh, guff on whatever, you know, Clone Wars yeah. forums back in the day that they took for this early uh, parts of the Clone Wars animated series, which has even more experimentation than I remembered. Cause yes, I wrote down like, yeah, I mean that is like you know Moby remix of the of James Bond theme <laughs> from like 1997, and like at one point I was just like, this is just that's like just uh, I have friends who go out and dance to that, or I did yeah. when people went out. Uh, but yeah, absolute like just hey hey uh, R two's gonna murder an IG droid to dance music was like damn. Yep, let's let's bring in Fat Boy Slim. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And that was one of my favorite action moments, too, of uh, R2 just uh, dropping the other IG droid into space. (laughs) It was a great, uh, you know, this is one of those moments like, you know, the the show reminded you again and again of like, no, R2 is that great. And that was a a great action moment to uh, remind you. Uh, I think for me, my other favorite action moments, there's a lot of great action, but they're both uh, Ahsoka because, again, this is an early episode. And I, I like that it they want to remind us that Ahsoka is an extremely talented Padawan. She's a little bit younger, but she was, you know, uh, became a Padawan uh, because clearly she is very skilled uh, and it's fun to see that. So I like, I also like how much the Twilight is used uh, Mm -hmm. is this symbol of, yeah, Anakin and now his uh, young Padawan Ahsoka kind of do things differently. They have this, uh, you know, sort of off the records ship that they can use uh, when they need to. And I love that scene of Ahsoka. It's just a great pew pew action scene too of Ahsoka flying the Twilight between the two uh, Separatist battle cruisers, and, oh, yeah. you know, causing them to scrape together and, you know, pulling in the fins of the Twilight and just doing great Jedi flying. That was, yeah, great moment. Glad you highlighted that one. Kind of, I kind of forgot about that one. I, I think I was probably looking down at my toast this morning when I, that one <laughs> came up the first time I watched it this week. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. And then I think for me, my favorite is the just fun terror of uh, Ahsoka trying to keep up with Grievous and then having this very mature realization of, oh, yeah, I'm not going to defeat him. I don't have the skills yet for that. So what I need to do is live. Uh, And having that wisdom and that skill to do that classic Jedi move and uh, hack his hand off to escape. It was, again, like just a cool action move, but I felt it said so much about uh, Ahsoka and how far she's already uh grown to have that maturity to go like i need to just live and focus on the mission because the mission is not for me to stop grievous right now and possibly get killed doing it the mission is to blow up the base and hopefully get myself and all the other clones off (laughs) first and just you know all of that kind of symbolized by just uh, hacking the hand off and getting out of there and the clever you know the knocking things over and getting into the great all just kind of clever live to fight another day stuff from young ahsoka yeah, you you we're we're fortunate to have seven seasons of 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 her journey, and in that way, you get to stop and and see a little bit more of where she learned some things. In a movie, it's more compact, and you just kind of gotta get up and go. And the training is what it is. But if anyone would you know press record on their on their cameras to to rant about Ahsoka and her abilities and who they think she she should or should not defeat, 
I would look a moment moment like this that's very realistic. She is a she's a a, a young Padawan against this monster, and she's got the great heart. But I, I love what you're saying. They're just like not the mission. I can't do it, and it's not Jedi. Is it is always the hero that slashes their way to victory. Like it's 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 different, and so that makes her victories. And her fights have even more weight for me later on when she either does know it's time to fight or does get wins or anything like that. I love that. I love that journey there. Yeah, yeah. And and continually provides this great contrast with Anakin where she has all of the uh, heart heart and the warmth and, you know, leads with her heart as much as her head, but is still manages to, like, stay focused on the mission. Good Jedi. Good Jedi. Good Jedi, that Ahsoka. What a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> Ahsoka is a good Jedi who left the Jedi. Learning uh, so much in this Uno deck of Clone Wars. <laughs> Can't wait to see uh, what other game decks uh, we're going to be playing with as we review the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite moment of comedy or whimsy or weirdness? Oh, sir, I did. Uh, we'll call <laughs> this the Skip Bow deck of cards, the card game that didn't catch on quite as much as Uno. Uh, I, I, we, we keep, I think this section of our Clone Wars report just keeps being the documentation of the ongoing plight of the battle droids. So after the potato asteroid, uh, hits Grievous's ship, which is a great little moment. Uh, I love it cuts back to the battle droid. He goes, that didn't sound good. I just, I don't know. It's a real world joke. I could see it in some kind of other live action sitcom or something, but <laughs> I just love it. And then, uh, pinning on that just the whole sequence, uh, I'll say that Grievous running away from everything is now becoming like my favorite comedy callback runner in all of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, you go back to that line in, I believe, Revenge of the Sith, where Mace Windu says, uh, he's a coward. He'll run as he always does. And the, <laughs> you, could, you could do a supercut. Yeah. Of all of Grievous's running away. Which, yeah, again, and it goes, it's like the lighter version of we were talking about with Obi-Wan and not recalling owning a droid. You you can create and write to that stuff. And that's when you hear Joseph and I talk about those connections, the emotional canon. That is also what I mean, too. Or you can get, don't overlook Mace's line. Don't overlook it, because now it fuels hours of entertainment for Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you just keep seeing, oh, there's the soulless one. He's getting out of there. Soul, his ship's the soulless one. He's yes, he's got no soul, but he's he's also a coward. He's got no soul or backbone. He's running away. It works on me. I must get to my ship, the spineless. Yeah, yeah, and and the glee, <laughs> and the glee in which he runs away, just just kind of <laughs> he's always giggling. He's always giggling, and he yeah. knows he's going to be in trouble too because he keeps you know. It's so interesting yeah. that these first couple arcs are like Grievous is the big bad. Um, mm-hmm in the telling of the war and this uh, contest for the outer rim. And, and then eventually, you know, it expands from there. Uh, and, and yeah, Grievous constantly escaping and, and being like, y- you know, that's going to cost you, right? <laughs> oh, it's the best. I just love it. It's become really funny. It, it's got meaning, but it's just really funny. to me. It is super funny. Yeah. It almost, you know, it could get to that great uh, point of uh, just exaggeration where just Anakin arrives and he's like, great. And gets in his ship. And leaves. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Uh, any other comedy moments for you? Uh, just some quick things that we're going to talk about, I'm sure, but uh, we already have, but uh, Obi-Wan, R2 units are a dime a dozen. Like, damn, Obi-Wan. Like, wow. What are you doing there? Uh, I do like Anakin's uh, missiles. I hate missiles. So, hey, he doesn't just hate sand. There's missiles as well. Uh, and then it ties a little bit to the Revenge of the Sith opening uh, 
battle there over Corson. And then, yep, we got to talk about it in some way, even if just five seconds. The Trandoshan fart jokes, a Star Wars story. Uh, there's some, uh, I guess, some Star Wars uh, uh, tradition as well. <laughs> Burps and farts. George does love those in a Star Wars. Burps and farts. And I will be really interested to as we proceed, because in my memory, a lot of this kind of humor, a lot of the, the much broader... Uh, droids almost saying things that could be from a you know David Spade Chris Farley movie um, uh, farts burps all mm-hmm. that kind of, uh, different things that do or do not smell good or bad <laughs> the kind of humor that is in the prequel trilogy and is geared towards a younger audience is really present in the first season and I think dissipates a lot in later seasons of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, you, the the, clone, the the droid stuff might stay a bit too, but I'm curious to track that. Definitely yeah. gonna be looking for it, but it is. I mean, this is the, yeah, the uh, don't drop this. <laughs> Troy drops it. Oh yeah, just the total trips it. Yeah, no, it is. It's like early on, this is like these are essential ingredients of uh, the Clone Wars era. You know, we must mm-hmm. have some space battles. We must have lightsaber battles. We must have uh, deep concerns about the nature of attachment. Is it selfish or selfless? Also, if is there any way we can figure out a way to make a battle droid fart? Because that's also essential <laughs> <laughs> to this era of Star Wars storytelling. We're working, we're working through it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Ganacht uh, fart is, we almost have to ignore it because it's, I mean, sometimes people will say a joke is literally a little too in your face. And this is literally, he literally farts in their face as he's coming through a door, right? I mean, it's it's uh, unignorable. Well, especially because upon entering the ship, like, oh, what's that smell? You'll get used to it. So you're like, oh, I didn't, you know, Trend Oceans maybe have a little bit of a distinct odor. No, nah, it, might, it might be related to this. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and maybe that's what they're known for. Maybe Bosk is like, excuse me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what Piet is so upset about in that data bit. <laughs> Bounty hunter, we don't need that stink. <laughs> we don't need that farting scum. Uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely some good choices. Uh, in, in terms of the battle droid humor for me, uh, it, it is at once like uh, too over the top, but it's so over the top that I kind of enjoy it when the droids are talking, the two battle droids are talking about going up to some level to get some sort of battle droid massage. Uh, the, you get your head adjusted and then the head gets ripped off. That's right. It's uh, so, so on the nose, uh, but strangely delightful. Um, I, I think you could do a supercut is the, the phrase of the day today, I guess. Um, uh, you could do a, a supercut of all the droid uh, humor and turn it into like a sitcom, just a Star Wars battle droids, a sitcom. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, and it, God, I mean, they do are pulling from the, these traditions, right? Of yeah. uh, kind of early, early silent comedy and early talky comedy. There's a lot of dropping and <laughs> in sudden pain. Um, things that maybe weren't even intended as jokes uh, that really made me laugh. Uh, I l- love how much, even before there's a ton of evidence that R three is a literal problem. How much Anakin just hates him for not being R two. <laughs> And uh, early on on that Trandoshan ship, when uh, R3 has already screwed up, but when Anakin says, R3 can't even open a door. <laughs> yeah. Just the delivery well, is so yeah. childish. R3's over there like, joke's on you, fool. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. and- I'll be able to open a door when it gets you killed, dude. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just, I love that delivery of R3 can't even open a door. Yeah. Useless. Uh, 
then that this weird line from Grievous uh, when he is trying to uh, convince uh, R2 to go along with things without fighting and says, we're all droids here. Yeah, right. I love that. Like, wow. Are you like, you? wow. He wants it. That's great. I'm I'm there. I'm supporting Grievous's desires to be who he wants to be. But I love he's, that. Line too. Yeah, he's the droid leader. Does he see himself as a droid or is it just really bad? Like, you know, he's normally uh, I think what made me laugh is he's normally like just like barking orders and, you know, threatening death and hacking and both in, in with the lightsaber and with his lungs. Uh, and then he tries this moment of like, I'm like Count Dracula, right? I can be suave like Count Dooku. What? There's, we're all friends here, right? Yeah, I like it. Very, very funny. Uh, we talked about big sort of thematic connections to Star Wars, but any other uh, favorite sort of connections to canon or lore uh, to other stories? Yeah, uh, I there's one shot, a little sequence there of just Anakin on a med table. I just, again, is, is it super intentional super deep does it mean and everything no but just seeing anakin there knowing what where he'll end up um have a medical droid over him there and just see the journey and we're only a couple years away from that for him and his life uh that 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 got me it affected me it reached out and and i saw it oh yeah yeah no that's a good one it's good uh, emotional canon um of of and i think they do have like a little reader on his actual mechanical arm so there is, mm-hmm. is even something kind of mechanical yeah about right. what's happening to him um i I had forgot that there were IG units in this episode and I liked that they were set up to be like, they are impressive and frightening. So I was so excited. Like I had vague memories that they were a little flippy, uh, but I was really happy to see uh, how flippy they were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not quite the same thing as the the IG in uh, IG 11 in the Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. but it does have some relationship to like they're, they look stiff and weird but then all of these joints and hinges move in these uh, surprising flexible ways i it was happy to see that sort of connection of like ah i can see a visual connection between these ig droids and ig11 oh totally if you i mean they talk about talk on that disney gallery about the process but yeah i could have totally imagine at some point someone in filoni i'm sure too but to go oh yeah back here we did this and and i and i liked seeing it a little bit of consistency again it's not exactly the same you're right but it's totally the spirit of it and i like that yeah, it's creepy good uh, action moment of uh, Anakin and Ahsoka fight, fighting the IG units. There's a ton of great stuff in these episodes. Yeah. Um, I Just in terms of the actual lore of the Clone Wars itself, it, is I'm really wanting to listen to uh, Tom Kane's uh, narrator tell us what's going on. I had also forgot how much in this early season, uh, early uh, this first season, it's all these Outer Rim campaigns. The, and you, you have that... Uh, uh, philosophy and those tactics that the Jedi even talk about of, well, um, early in a war, uh, of course, what they're wanting to do eventually is take Coruscant, uh, but the best way to do that is to hem us in by uh, controlling the Outer Rim. So there's this huge battle for the Outer Rim, and I like how much that every episode, if you you can just watch it and, and you know enjoy the individual episode, but so far, almost all the big battles all hinge around this uh, battle between the Republic and the Separatists to control the Outer Rim. Oh, totally. I, I want that uh, that chapter of the Ken Burns documentary on Star Wars, the Outer Rim Sieges, uh, and, and what it means. And, and uh, which I, you know, I'm curious to see in the High Republic, too, of just when that's un, unsettled and un, um, undiscovered a bit. And, and to see those folks out there and, and, and connect it to, you know, do they feel important? Because the Republic feels you're important when it counts. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. When it counts. And right now it's counting. Um, the other thing for me is just uh, really, really being clear about Gold Squadron. You know, it said a couple times and, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons that uh, and, or that Ahsoka names R3 uh, S6 Goldie. Uh, how did you feel about the Gold Squadron of it all? Uh, I love I love those traditions. I love uh, Obi-Wan Red, uh, Anakin Gold. And, hey, that means he's somehow tied to the Y-Wings. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. I do love a good squadron named after a color. Uh, including Gray Squadron, the underrated squadron of uh, Turn of the Jedi, right? Yeah, uh, I like, I like, I like it. It, it. That's that right, right flavor of the of the right spice to the soup. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. It's not too much for me. Let's talk about anything we disliked or questioned or wrestled with. What do you got? I just said I questioned. This is a good way of question of how, and it was more in the second viewing of just like how did Grievous get a droid spy in the Republic? And I made the joke earlier, like I guess. I guess you could go through Sheev. They don't, they don't say that directly here, so I could see that. Uh, and but I, but I, uh, but I liked it. It made me think like, uh, how has this happened before? Like in, in the story, not not in terms of anything we've heard or read or anything. Just like it got me thinking about it. Like okay, that 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 that's a really good plan. Uh, maybe they maybe you can do it the other way around. And also, just playing on. I'm sure Obi-Wan's not the only one who's like, R2 units, R3 units, whatever. These astromechs are nothing. They're just pieces uh, for a bigger puzzle. And playing upon that and just, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a lesson too for Obi-Wan too. Well, if you paid more attention to who's who's all on your team here, you might have uh, been able to uh, you know suss this out sooner. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I I had fun thinking about like uh, I wonder if there was ever any thought to do a prequel to this of how did Grievous get R three S six into position and yeah uh, we were talking about in the Malevolence arc how often uh, Dooku or Grievous are just like hey by the way Sidious <laughs> uh, yeah, I got yeah. this little wrinkle in my plan could you like you thinking that uh, early in the war uh, she was feeling a lot of calls so maybe there's that you could also see if like you know they got that listening station and they know certain positions if there is like oh can they did they hire a bounty hunter uh you know to do some espionage and sneak this droid into the rotation somewhere like who knows it's it's an interesting question yeah and and i didn't dislike it just just questioned it and and i love uh i love when sometimes questions become fun thoughts yeah and that's a great thing of like we we've talked about this a decent amount on main shows about when uh, is tip of the iceberg storytelling pleasing where you're like ooh that lets you imagine it and when is it so uh, when is it distracting because you feel like that's a fundamental answer that is needed for the narrative and I didn't feel like it was needed I feel like it's yep. a fun revelation and I didn't need a flashback of how Grievous pulled this off yeah agreed uh yeah for myself I think um Early on in the season one, there is a lot of a of use of repeated lines from uh, previous Star Wars, uh, sometimes to great effect to me and sometimes to not. And it, it, the I've got a bad feeling about this being in both episodes jumped out to me. Particularly, I kind of joked about it of like, yeah, Anakin, you should have a bad feeling about it. Right, right. <laughs> There's a big piece of you know a shrapnel uh, that's <laughs> about to cause your your uh, ship to you know explode and knock you out. Um, you you should have a I don't know. I've got a bad feeling about this as a premonition, not like I just got hit in the head with a baseball. I've got a bad feeling like the bad thing happened. You should have a bad feeling about it now. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, Yeah, that's true. It's true. Never thought about it from that point of view. 
I just I just broke my arm. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> well, you should. It's literally, yeah. yeah. Uh, being a little hard on it, a little hard on it. Uh, but I think that is one of the things that disappears as well. Uh, let, let's talk about Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Obi-Wan. I think for me, uh, I, I try to be clear about it because I really do love Obi-Wan as a character. Yeah. And I, I like him having flaws. And I think there are times in the Clone Wars storytelling where we dive into his flaws. And then there, I think there are episodes like this where he, uh, I don't know, to me, he feels like a, uh, a bummer hologram <laughs> yeah. where he, he, he pops up to have sort of like, uh, uh, to be a little, uh, maybe overly, uh, strict. And, and I get that that's his character. I, I guess there, there's nothing I disagree with. I think it's yeah. his character to be like, Hey, I'm, I follow the Jedi protocols. I follow the traditional thinking that the astromech droids are, they're great. They're valuable, but they're tools. And if they're tools that if you use the wrong way, they can become very dangerous to us. Um, I think his perspective is that while not, while leading more with his uh, head than his heart is valuable. uh, But there can be a certain amount of, in some of these episodes where it's just like, uh, Dad, who doesn't get it, <laughs> it's going to call you again and lecture you. Yeah, no, it. it I, I, I love because I, I love Obi Wan too. Uh, you know, uh, number you know two or three or four in the depth chart of loving him to your number one position here. But uh, uh, I think it always we talk about the lessons that you do need, need to learn from these characters, and and I think there are times he's he is positioned a little unfairly in, in the Clone Wars series. Um, uh, he reminds me of a boss I used to have towards the end who just was like, I, oh God, I just, he just drove me crazy. Cause every time he called, he was calling to be mad at me uh, and upset because, but I, it was hard to argue back or defend myself because he always went to the letter of the law in terms of our company or policies or the way it should be done. And it was hard to say you're wrong. And yet he, he was, was wrong. <laughs> yet he was wrong. because <laughs> it, it was the brain over heart type of thing there. And I think, Obi-Wan's got some of that in place. And I think some of that, he, he is a, a, a human from Stu John. Does he not bleed like us? He, <laughs> you know, does he have to kind of protect himself because, you know, his heart breaks thinking of Satine and sometimes it might just be easier to deal with that kind of uh, emotional trauma that he experienced there, whatever it might've been to be like, no, 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 I'm doing right. I'm doing right. And, and, and again, he's not wrong, but is it a protective thread? Uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe he loves R2. Maybe he just absolutely loves it. He just wants to break down and cry. But no, 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 the diamond doesn't. I, I, I don't know. This is, you know, just not necessarily what's on screen, but me just thinking about this character that I love to to give him a fair shake. Because otherwise, yeah, there are moments where he is just like, no, no, let me let me tisk tisk you. Yeah, I mean, there. I think that's what it comes down to to me is I don't actually have any criticism of what's presented on screen. I think what's presented on screen is, you know, Mm -hmm. a part of his character and some of it is a different perspective from Anakin. Some of it is wisdom that Anakin should have listened to. Some of it is not seeing the strengths that uh, Anakin and Ahsoka do have that maybe he doesn't always have. So I think it's all legitimate stuff to make a compelling character. Um, But it, but that is coming from taking all of the storytelling of Obi-Wan into account. And if you just watch the episode, sometimes it can feel like Anakin and Ahsoka are about to have ice cream. You want to see him eat ice cream, right? Well, here comes Obi-Wan as a hologram going, don't eat ice cream. <laughs> you just can feel like a stick in the mud if you just look at this one, you know, specific episodes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, but I did like, and I, I will uh, go on my defense of Obi-Wan, I really did like that the conversation starts so positive where Obi-Wan is trying to be flexible mm-hmm. and does compliment Anakin on his resourcefulness. And uh, like, uh, you know, yeah. I'm always amazed how you think outside the box and you really get great results. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I think there must be just such concern about Anakin going too far outside of the box where Anakin's like, great, now that you complimented me on that, uh, got this other thing I know you're not going to like to tell you. Yeah, because there's this exchange up top of the you know, Ahsoka's kind of, you know, being Ahsoka and, and suggestions and things. And Anakin, or does Obi-Wan have that you should listen to your your, your Padawan? And, and Anakin kind of swipes back at him like, oh, like, like you did. Uh, I don't know. I just love all the stuff. Hey, Obi-Wan knows Anakin. He knows where it came from. Uh, he maybe even has feelings of where he's going. And, and so I think a lot of it from Obi-Wan... It, it truly does come from a protective standpoint, and I and I, will, I will always respect that. Yeah, no, I really agree with you. I think I, it, it, that's an important context that he knows that there's a lot on Anakin's shoulders. He knows that Anakin has been uh, through a lot, and he wants the absolute mm-hmm. best for Anakin uh, in his own life and and in Anakin's sort of uh, path through the traditional uh, way of being a Jedi. And I think Obi Wan is often trying to just help keep Anakin on that path while also trying to respect like yeah i know you do things your own way and 99 percent of the time it works out great but you get that vibe of like i'm really worried about that one percent anakin yeah yeah uh, as as he should be all right uh enough of the uh the taking a break from the podcast to go all obi-wan which is the thing i think <laughs> listeners uh understand they're in for when they listen to four center is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on uh, look at uh, music we mentioned. I I'd put that. Uh, I want to make sure I mention it here. So we have mentioned it. Uh, glad that's there. I just I just really like the vibe, but it's fun. And um, you know, R two going back to R two a little bit. Just uh, putting a, a little exclamation point on it. Just R two man. He just when George reveals that at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I just remember thinking like that. That just recontextualizes a lot of scenes and just makes me love them even more that this droid had a bigger mission uh, and, and, and adhered to it. And, you know, that just it makes, makes a lot of the scenes from the original trilogy make more, make more even sense to me. And I, I understand when my friend Mark Ellis will, will pound his fist on a desk and say, R2D2 is the greatest hero in all of star Wars and episodes like these, not just for what he does, but what he knows. And this is, as you said, a literal tug of war over his knowledge. Uh, you know, Hey, cheers to you R2. Yeah, no, I, I I will second that because I think that you can go through and uh, nitpick Anakin's uh, motivations, but this big overall idea that R2 is more than the sum of his parts, that there is something luminous about him uh, for lots of different reasons is really celebrated in this episode. R2 does, he is, you know... Uh, exactly doing the right things he is uh, fighting back and he has that great uh, battle at the end where it, it you just feel like oh r3 you don't know who you're up against if if, if this right. is going to come down to uh, whipping out the various droid parts and <laughs> shooting yeah. each other r2's got you beat and he does in that cool little yeah. uh, duel of the droids actual battle which is yeah. a, a great fight scene as well uh so we are going to move on to closing our episode as we always do with some fun questions if you could have a figure of any character from this episode, Ken, who would you want? You, you just said it. We need the R2 and R3 battle pack. <laughs> nice. And I thought for a second, I was like, well, maybe they they already have. And occasionally you and I suggest a toy, and one of our listeners is very helpful and says, hey, here's a 
here's the toy. It exists. Go get it. Um, but I, I do want that. And it, all, all appendages come out, you know, comes on a little, uh, uh, you know, walkway playset. Oh yeah. What that? Yeah, no, that's a great one. Absolutely. R2 with all appendages and working electricity to just shoot yep. out. <laughs> yes. Uh, I keep wanting three packs, uh, two packs or three packs. I want a three pack of the Trandoshan Ganacht with two of those cool IG droids, uh, a little weirdo and two creepy, scary droids. Yeah. Comes with its own bottle of stink spray just right there in the package. <laughs> That's right. Just like that old He-Man action figure stink or. And then uh, the other one I want to say, it's not a figure, but we need some merch. I do want a, a droid poppers cereal. <laughs> pour yourself pour yourself a, a bowl of droid poppers kids crunch your way through the battle no battle droid will get you with your breakfast i can see this commercial where the action figures the b2 battle droids fall over as you crunch into the droid yeah. popper yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely great uh well thank you everyone for listening in our next episode we're going to be talking about the season one episode which i'm really looking forward to because i have uh, rewatched it recently Bombad Jedi. That will be an interesting discussion of comedy and nobility in Star Wars. Uh, Ken, as always, we'd like to close out with the moral of what the uh, this episode of the podcast should be. What, what's our podcast episode moral? Our podcast episode moral is trust in the gear around you, droids and all, for they will get you through the day. I have a lot of faith that these, every time I press record, will take me to the finish line. Not the greatest moral I've ever come up with, but I'm just thinking about <laughs> as I look at my gear, I need all of this to work. And therefore it needs me just as much. That's right. I trust this microphone. I do not want some weird replacement microphone. I trust yeah. this microphone. Uh, where Do you want to tell people where they can find us and all that good stuff? Yes, sir. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. To join the conversation, use the hashtag Force Center. And uh, don't forget to like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe over there. We are uh, going to be doing this thing where we're kind of going to be rebroadcasting the news from our podcast, just putting the audio version up there, hopefully to find more ears. But also, we know a lot of you do enjoy listening to things on YouTube as well. And we get asked that a lot. Uh, you know, whether we ever fully go on YouTube consistently with videos and all that kind of stuff, that's a discussion for another time. But for right now, uh, head over there, check on uh, all those things we got going on there. Uh, you can uh, get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us at patreon.com slash force center as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Um, Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. As always, you can go follow us on our own uh, sites, KenNapsock.com for me. I'll try to update you on uh, potentially new live virtual remote shows very soon. You can follow me at KenNapsock and Joseph. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, all that. And if you like weird fantasy comedy, be sure to check out Tigtone. It's an adult swim show that I have been a writer for for season one and season two. All of season one is now on HBO Max. In season two premieres on Adult Swim at midnight this Sunday, September 13th. So if that sounds like the kind of thing you might be interested in, go check it out. But for now, this is it for our Clone Wars report for myself, for Ken, for R2, Ahsoka, Rex, and even for that stinky Trandoshan. This has been the Clone Wars report. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.